welcome to the Fossil Huntress podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well. Today on the show, I wanted to bring you to one of the most beautiful sites in the world, to the town of Hallstatt in the Salzkammergut region of Austria. So wherever you are in the world, close your eyes and fly over to Austria. So just east of France and Switzerland, south of Germany, Uh, west of Hungary and just north of Italy to one of the most beautiful places in the world. So Hallstatt is a town situated on a little lake with 16th century alpine houses and this part of Europe has been one of it's one of the oldest um, continuously inhabited areas of the world and this is for many reasons. One it was a lovely traffic route and two, it had beautiful salts. And as you know, you need salt to live. And there are gorgeous subterranean uh, salt mines and salt lakes. And what brings my interest and my attention to Hallstatt, aside from the sheer beauty, are beautiful, beautiful Triassic limestone exposures. So you and I are going to explore those together today. Within the area of Hallstatt, there are beautiful limestones, and these are the world's richest deposit of Triassic ammonite fauna. So um, we've seen more than 500 distinct ammonite species come out of here. And along with diversified cephalopod fauna, we've got uh, nautiloids, ammonoids, gastropods, bivalves. We've got the late Triassic bivalve halobia, Um, brachiopods, crinoids, and a few corals. And we also see a lovely selection of microfauna present. So we see little foraminifera and conodonts, little sponge spicules, radiolaria, uh, floating crinoids, um, and some little polyp-like soft-bodied invertebrate, uh, little guys that look like sea cucumbers. Um, They're like sort of a lawn gate in shape and have a tough skin over a soft interior. So it's a wonderful selection of both macro and micro fossils against this gorgeous setting of mountains and icy cold water and uh, just, just sheer beauty. So there's a lot of fossil fauna to discover and explore. Um, back in the day, Franz von Hauer did a, an exhaustive tomb on the Halstead Ammonites, I think we published in 1846. And his work inspired renowned Austrian geologist Edward Seuss to take a detailed look at the area's Mesozoic history. And that work was instrumental in Seuss being the first person to recognize the former existence of the Tethys Sea, which he named in 1893 after the sister of Oceanus, the Greek god of the ocean. As part of the northern limestone Alps, the Dachstein rock mass, or Hoherdachstein, is one of the largest uh, karstic mountains of Austria and the second highest mountain in the northern limestone Alps. It borders Upper Austria and Styria in Central Austria, and it's the highest point in each of those states. Much of what we know about um, those mountain ranges 
and this area and the fossils within them, we can look back and thank von Hauer and Edward Swiss. So part of the Mastiff also lies in the state of Salzburg, so leading to the mountain uh, being referred to as the Dreilandberg or three-state mountain. So seen from the north, the Dachstein Mastiff is dominated by glaciers with the, these rocky summits rising be, just beyond them. And in contrast, just to the south, the mountain drops almost vertically to the valley floor. So the karst limestones and dolomites we see here were deposited back during Mesozoic seas. So the geology of the Dachstein Mastiff is dominated by the Dachstein cult formation or the Dachstein limestone. And it's this little piece of rock that dates back to the Triassic that I'm most interested in. Now, as you can well imagine, mountain building is an active, tectonic, dynamic uh, force to make mountains. And there are several phases of mountain building in this part of the world to push the limestone 3,000 meters up above current sea level. So the rock strata we're looking at and seeing as mountains are actually bits of seafloor. So these were originally deposited horizontally and then shifted and broken up and reshaped by erosive forces like the ice and erosion and tectonic forces breaking them and pushing them up. Part of what we export and explore and, and Hallstatt is famous for are her salt mines. And those salt mines are a result of some of those forces and um, some of that accumulation and evaporation in a newly open and fairly shallow sea, the Meliata Ocean. So this was one of the small uh, ocean basins that formed in what is now Europe during the late Paleozoic and early Mesozoic when the world's land masses were wedged together to form the supercontinent of Pangaea. So back when this was going on, Pangaea was shaped like a crescent moon that cradled or cuddled the famous Tethys Sea. And subduction or pushing under of the Tethian oceanic crust caused several slivers, little pieces of continental crust, to break off from Pangaea and form these new back arc basins. So small oceans formed by rifting um, that's usually associated with subduction. So they were these little uh, newly rifted ribbon continents. And the Hallstatt Melietta Ocean was one of these back arch, back arc basins. And as it continued to expand and deepen during the Triassic, evaporation stopped and reefs began to flourish. So thick limestone deposits accumulated on top of the salt. And when the Hallstatt Melietta Ocean closed in the late Jurassic, the compression squeezed the low density salt um, so that it rose buoyantly and it injected itself into the Triassic limestones above. So 
the Triassic exposures around Hallstatt have this beautiful creamy pinky orange hue to the rock. When the ammonites come out, they don't have a sheen to them, but they have a lovely orange color. So they're very diagnostic. When you see them, you think, oh, now there's 500 species in the area, but you can often look and go, ah, I think that specimen's from Hallstatt. And so while there's a mix of the ammonites, um, the nautiloids, gastropods, brachiopods, and all those little um, sponge spicules, conodonts, and microfossils. There's also controversy. And so this part of the world, this um, uh, Alps portion of the Triassic and the North American Triassic have been trying to play nice-nice for a long time to kind of match up. So imagine a European and a North American clock. It's not a clock, really, but and you've got two of them, but the timepieces are a little bit off. And so we've been using the various species we find here to kind of piece together um, what those two time periods look like.